This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Lee Habib, and this is Our American Stories, and we tell stories about everything here on this show, including yours. Send them to OurAmericanStories.com. They're some of our favorites. Up next, a story from the Civil War that was nearly forgotten to history. Here's John Busby of the Culture Buzz on KFMG 98.9 FM and our own Monty Montgomery with a story. A lot of history, although it deserves to be remembered, can easily be forgotten if people, well, forget about it. It then becomes almost like buried treasure, waiting for someone to uncover it. Delving into history is, it's almost like beachcombing. You're never quite sure what you're going to find, but sometimes you find some incredible things. And that's what happened uh, 
Oh, over 10 years ago, someone who's a friend of mine now, Tom Woodruff of Louisa County, Iowa, he had a call from the widow of a boyhood friend of his who said that this friend's grandmother had put together a scrapbook. It roughly went from the late 1800s to the first few years of the 1900s. And she knew it might be of interest to Tom because Tom is an amateur historian. And so she ended up getting that scrapbook to Tom. So of course, what does he do? He sits down and he has to go through the entire scrapbook. And there on this 57 page scrapbook on page 23 was a little news clipping. It was from a 1907 Columbus Gazette newspaper, and they were talking about the devastating toll the Civil War had, and it talked specifically about the Littleton family were less fortunate when it came to losing people. Of the six brothers, only one lived to return, and he shortly died of disease contracted in the service. And right there, that was the flashpoint for Tom Woodruff to try and find out more about these six Littleton brothers. Tom had started working on this for a few years and a mutual friend of ours connected me to Tom. She knew that uh, I uh, loved history, that I did stories about history, and she said, I've got a fellow you need to meet. Well, I met Tom Woodruff and the chase was on, as they say. Uh, what can we do to bring this story back to light? Because it was one of those profound stories that um, it, inspirational in service to country, tragic in the total loss of the male lineage of a family. There were four sisters left from that family. And uh, in fact, many of the relatives, the descendants of those four sisters knew very little, if anything, about the six great-great-great uncles that they had at one time. So that was kind of the genesis of getting involved with the Littleton Brothers story. We have a lot of missing puzzle pieces. Uh, some of the pieces we have are based in census records. So a number of the Littleton family members were notated as mulatto. The migration of the Littleton family, they originated from Maryland, and uh, it looks like James and Martha, they were the mother and father, they uh, started toward moving west because they wanted more opportunity, and uh, their first four children, Sarah, George, John, and Thomas, were born in Maryland. They probably left Maryland in late 1836 or so, they ended up stopping in Ohio for a while to keep expanding their family. So Ohio became home for the birth of William and then Mary. Then after Mary was born, sometime after that, between 1839 and 1841, they completed their migration to Iowa. Uh, so when they got to Louisa County in around 1840, 1841, that is when the family completed its expansion. Rebecca was born in 1841, Pramila in 1843, and her twin brother Kendall, same year, Noah in 1845, and that completed the family. 
trying to figure out why the Littleton brothers served, that is where the best historical forensic uh, researcher would really have a challenge. Um, you could go to the newspapers, but there didn't seem to be a lot of information about the Littletons in there. So we really don't know. But Iowa has kind of a a Janus personality when it comes to the Civil War. Uh, there are virtually no important battles fought in Iowa during the Civil War. But there was a sense of dedication and duty that the people who targeted Iowa as the place they were going to sink their roots, that they wanted to support that fierce patriotism that they seemed to have. And that's what kept drawing so many people to enlist in the service from Iowa. I think that's part of what drove them into enlisting as they did. Thomas was the first one to enlist. He enlisted in July 16th of 1861. Uh, he was in Company C, 5th Iowa Infantry. Next was William Littleton. He enlisted in September 21st of 1861, Company K, 8th Iowa Infantry. The third Littleton brother to enlist was George Littleton. He was the oldest brother. He enlisted in 1862, and because he was working at the time in Illinois, he enlisted in Illinois. The three final brothers were Kendall Littleton, John, and Noah. And those three brothers all enlisted on August 21st, 1862, and served in Company F of the 19th Iowa Infantry. And um, their service was to be relatively short-lived. And you've been listening to John Busby tell the story of the Littletons. And the Littletons lost all six of the boys in that family. The bloodline, four sisters remained. And so many of these stories are untold until they're told. And you're hearing it here on Our American Stories. John Busby telling the story of the Littleton family and so many other families ravaged by the Civil War, the highest death count in all of the wars America has ever fought, 600,000 plus. The story continues of the Littleton brothers here on Our American Stories. Folks, if you love the stories we tell about this great country, and especially the stories of America's rich past, know that all of our stories about American history, from war to innovation, culture, and faith, are brought to us by the great folks at Hillsdale College, a place where students study all the things that are beautiful in life and all the things that are good in life. And if you can't get to Hillsdale, Hillsdale will come to you with their free and terrific online courses. Go to hillsdale.edu to learn more. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. 
I've been a journalist for two decades, writing cover stories for Business Week, Fortune, and Wired. And now, every Monday, I bring you conversations with people who are thinking deeply about work and where it fits into our lives. Like Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella on growth mindsets. The learn-it-all does better than the know-it-all. Or MacArthur Genius winner Angela Duckworth on talent versus grit. Your long-term effort and your long-term commitment are surprisingly important. Each episode delivers pragmatic advice for right now. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Everyday Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. You can build internal resources. That's what the study of psychology is about, building internal resources. Turning towards is one of the most important elements of successful relationships, no matter what kind of relationship it is. The thing that underpins all of this productivity stuff is finding a way to make the journey itself enjoyable. The journey is the destination. The beauty of uncertainty is infinite possibility. When you don't know what's next, you don't know what's next. And thus, anything can be next. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
And we return to our American stories and the story of the six Littleton brothers who all enlisted to fight in our nation's civil war, our bloodiest war. Here again is John Busby of the Culture Buzz on KFMG 98.9. And here's Monty. At the outbreak of the Civil War, all six Littleton brothers would enlist to fight for the Union, and some of them would see action at Prairie Grove, Arkansas. Unfortunately, it was that battle that took its greatest and quickest toll on the Littleton family. In battle, Kendall died and was buried in a mass grave there. John was severely wounded in the thigh and he was transferred to Fayetteville, Arkansas to hopefully recover. However, he died eight days later and is buried in an unmarked grave there in the National Cemetery. Chances are that he didn't die so much from his wounds as from the infection. Noah did survive the Prairie Grove battle, but it was interesting on what happened to him. He shows that even accidents can happen in war, and that's exactly what happened to Noah. Noah was part of a foraging group. That's one thing that in the Civil War, the troops had to forage what was available in the land that they were crisscrossing. Noah was on a foraging trip that included ferrying goods that they acquired across the White River, which is down between Missouri and Arkansas. During the time that they were ferrying things, the rains had kind of made the river turbulent. There's a great passage here. This was a first-hand account by Timothy Phillips, a member of Company A of the Iowa 19th. Several days ago, nearly a hundred men were sent out as guards to a forage train. They returned the day. The new boat was built under the supervision of Lieutenant Faust, the first light duty. The boat was considered ample to carry two six-mule teams across loaded and a number of horsemen and footmen. The boat was unmanageable and passing to the center of the stream and sunk, water pouring over the boat, washing one team and several men from the boat, which after became submerged, broke loose. The water was very cold and water setting from shore made it require superhuman strength to reach it while we, as gazers, could not render assistance and be only witnesses of their death struggles. One of those who perished was Noah. Thomas, uh, the first to enlist, ironically, fought more battles and served in actual, I guess you'd call combat situations than any of the other brothers. He fought in the battles of Iuka, in Champion Hill, the siege of Vicksburg and Mission Ridge, uh, and that's where he was captured. When he was captured, he was sent to Andersonville Andersonville was located in Georgia, and it was situated in a wide open field area, just bare dirt ground. There was a very sluggish stream of terrible water that did come through it a little bit, not pure. Food rations were inconsistent at best. The prisoners were packed in If a disease was brought in by a prisoner, it could run rampant through the ranks of the prisoners there. It was a gulag type situation. When word about what Andersonville was about got around to the Union Army, they knew that if 
any of their compatriots were sent to Andersonville, it was almost assuredly a, a death stamp. And uh, after two and a half, almost three years of captivity, that is when he died of chronic diarrhea in Andersonville, and he ended up being buried at the Andersonville National Cemetery. William was in Company K, 8th Iowa Infantry. He was the second of the Littleton brothers to enlist. He fought in the battles of Shiloh, and he was wounded there, Jackson, and the siege of Vicksburg. And that's where he contracted a disease. A disease he would later die of, like so many others, in a St. Louis hospital. But what happened to George? George was in Company B of the 65th Illinois Infantry. He did have a battle, and it was at a name that's well known. It was a battle at Harper's Ferry. He was captured and imprisoned briefly, but in these early days, there were prisoner exchanges. The honor system was in place where my side has this many prisoners. We want to exchange for that many prisoners on your side, and they will not go into combat for X number of months or something like that. George was reassigned after the prisoner exchange and he was reassigned to Chicago where they had what was kind of the Union's version of Andersonville. Uh, The winters were brutal and that is where he probably had pneumonia. He did get back home and he lived for a while longer but he finally succumbed to the brutal toll that uh, the military life, the diseases that he encountered took on his body. And that's what uh, made George become the sixth victim of the six Littleton brothers. The Littleton brothers story resonates with me because it encompasses a national level of kind of cross-sectioning of what happened during the Civil War in a single family. You had all these brothers enlist in the war. All the sisters were married back home. Some of them had multiple marriages because they outlive husbands, things like that. But with the brothers, you had the diversity of ways that those who served perished. You had in battle. You had wounded from battle and perished afterwards, probably a combination of the wound and disease. You had disease, you had accident, you had imprisonment. You had all these different ways in this microcosmic perspective of six brothers. And that's where the tragedy is, because these days we don't think of having to endure this kind of tragedy. And the Littleton brothers is, um, is a special unequaled sacrifice tragedy that needs to come to light again. And a good way to bring it to light would be a monument. A monument that only recently came about, even though the idea had been floating around for a long time. The Louisa newspaper a hundred years ago actually commented about this uh, when they talked about the six brothers. There needs to be a memorial built to honor the lives of these six brothers from Toolsboro in Louisa County, who all died as a result of volunteering to fight in the Civil War. When it was dedicated on Flag Day, June 14th of 2016, the keynote was delivered by Tom Moraine, who is an exceptionally well-known historian and scholar. 
uh, he read something that has always stuck with me in his words. He quoted the Bible. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? And with that question begins the Bible account of how Ezekiel watched dry bones take on a new life. And in this story, the people of Israel are the dry bones who had lost touch with their heritage, but who could live again if they recover that historical memory. In a similar way, the Littleton brothers would not mean much to us today if we know them only through the bare bones of the census record, George, John, Thomas, Kendall, William, and Noah. And a great job, as always, by Monty Montgomery on the production of the piece, and a special thanks to John Busby of the Culture Buzz on KFMG 98.9 for sharing with us this remarkable story of the Louisa County, Iowa family, the Littletons and the Littleton brothers. Again, all six perished in the Civil War or just thereafter. The Littleton family story here on Our American Story. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. I've been a journalist for two decades, writing cover stories for Business Week, Fortune, and Wired. And now, every Monday, I bring you conversations with people who are thinking deeply about work and where it fits into our lives, like Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella on growth mindsets. The learn-it-all does better than the know-it-all. Or MacArthur Genius winner Angela Duckworth on talent versus grit. Your long-term effort and your long-term commitment are surprisingly important. Each episode delivers pragmatic advice for right now. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Everyday Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. You can build internal resources. That's what the study of psychology is about, building internal resources. Turning towards is one of the most important elements of successful relationships, no matter what kind of relationship it is. The thing that underpins all of this productivity stuff is finding a way to make the journey itself enjoyable. The journey is the destination. The beauty of uncertainty is infinite possibility. 
When you don't know what's next, you don't know what's next. And thus, anything can be next. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back with Our American Stories. Up next, we have a story brought to us thanks to the Cincinnati Area Better Business Bureau. Tammy Harris and her husband run a tattoo shop in Cincinnati, and they were awarded the BBB's Torch Award that celebrates business owners for their ethics. Here's Robbie with the story. Tammy Harris was born and raised in Cincinnati, Ohio. I went to Aiken High School. It was a vocational school. So they had, like, back in the day, oh my gosh, it was amazing because they had, like, body art, cosmetology, commercial art is what I was in because I was into art. Like, I, seriously, my mom gave me my baby book not too long ago, and it was the cutest thing because I guess from the time I was born, I've been an artist. Because she even wrote in there, like, you know, what, what does she want to be when she grows up or something? It said artist. I was like, oh my gosh, that is so cute. So yeah, graduated high school. Got pregnant at 17, so <laughs> had a baby when I got out of high school, and I had a full scholarship to go. At the time, it was the best art college in America, which was in uh, San Francisco. But since I got pregnant, I realized, yeah, it's not about me no more. So that's when I started working in a factory just to be able to take care of her because I didn't want to be on welfare and have other people take care of my choices. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I just 
started working in the factory, was taking care of my baby. It was really hard because I was a single mom. Um, and then I decided to go to college because my, my high school commercial art teacher was still contacting me and trying to get me to go to college because he got me the full ride scholarship. And he was really upset when he found out I was pregnant and I wasn't gonna go. It's like, I'm sorry, dude, but yeah. This thing comes first. <laughs> so yeah, I, I pretty much was going to school full time in the morning, going home, taking care of my baby for a little bit, trying to get a nap, and then I worked third shift in the factory. So it was rough. So did that for a year, and then my second year of college, um, I started in, like they said that they had um, job placement once you graduated. So I was like, okay, that's perfect, because the factory that I worked in, it was a good factory, but it was factory work. Nothing fun. So <laughs> I thought, okay, yeah, I get a, you know, start a job that has something to do with, with what I love. Yeah, it didn't turn out that way. So the second year, they had a meeting with the teacher and he was pretty much explaining that, um, you know, the job placement and everything, blah, blah, blah. And I said, well, can I ask, you know, what the job placement involves and like how much you get paid? Because at the time, the factory that I worked in, you made decent money, especially for me to be, gosh, 19, 20. He had the nerve to look at me and said, uh, Kinko's. I was like, what? What? Like, wait a minute, I am spending all this money to go to college and your job placement is making copies for people at Kinko's. Like, you have got to be kidding. So I, he was wondering why I was getting upset. And I'm like, dude, do you not understand? <laughs> like, I am working myself to death to pay for this and take care of my baby to try to make my life better. And you're telling me that you're going to put me in a job at Kinko's when I make three times that amount in the factory. So why am I wasting my time? And that's when I quit there and my high school teacher got a hold of me and was so upset because I quit. But I was like, dude, they're just taking my money and using me. Like, I'm not okay with that. It was back in the factory that Tammy found both a husband and an idea for a new career path. So that's when I started thinking about the tattooing process. I was like, oh, you know, that, that would be a pretty cool way to kind of put my art to use. And it's cool. Back then it wasn't cool, but... It was cool to me because I got my first tattoo and I thought it was the coolest thing ever. <laughs> so yeah, I started going around to the tattoo shops and kind of talking to all the, the tattoo owners about being an apprentice and they were extremely rude. Like treated me like I was just garbage and because I was a woman and women didn't do tattoos 20 something years ago. So pretty much like when you're young, you think that all tattoo artists are good, all people that own tattoo shops are good at tattooing, and that is so wrong. So <laughs> we went to tattoo shops and we got messed up. So when you're not happy with your tattoo, that is the worst. Like you should not be ashamed of something that you permanently have on your body for the rest of your life. Like that is so not cool. So it took us a long time to find somebody that could fix the tattoos and cover up what we had. So. We spent a lot of time, a lot of money with him, and I became friends with his wife. My husband became friends with him. We started hanging out, just, we became friends. So yeah, one night he calls my husband, it's like three o'clock in the morning, and we're sleeping, getting ready to go to work in the morning to the factory. And my husband's like, what is he doing call? Like, why is my tattoo guy calling me? And I'm like, I'm gonna answer the phone. So he answers the phone. You know, I can hear the guy talking because it's, it's completely quiet. And you know, he said, hey man, you know, I've been thinking, do you want to you know, do an apprenticeship? 
And my husband's like, dude, it's like three o'clock in the morning. I need to go to work in the morning. Like, I'll call you back later and talk to you about it. So I'm smacking him like, do it, do it, do it. And he's like, would you stop? So yeah, I told him, I said, you know, that was perfect because, you know, since I couldn't get into it, he can get into it and he can learn. And then once he gets good, he can teach me. And that would be my way of getting into it. And that's exactly what happened. He tattooed for about two years. His first tattoo was on me. And then two years later, when I started tattooing, my first tattoo was on him. <laughs> and it went from there, man. We've been tattooing, gosh. Oh, almost every day for 18, 19 years. <laughs> it's been a good time though, man. We have so many stories and... Like most people, and I know a lot of people know what I'm talking about because I've experienced too. Usually when you walk into a tattoo shop, there's a little young girl at the desk and she is pretty much aggravated that you walked in and bothered her. You know what I mean? So you get an attitude as soon as you walk in the door and you can just feel that negative energy. You just feel like you're bothering people and it's like, this is a business. Like you should want me to come in and want to take my money. Like, okay. It's a lot of that and just like a lot of tattoo artists, they have that godlike mentality. So the guy that taught my husband, he was like that. And he pretty much would say, cause somebody would come into this tattoo shop and they would show us what they wanted. And we're like, oh, you know, that's a really cool idea. You know, it meant something to them. It was unique. And by the time they left, they had a completely different tattoo. And then they would come and show us and we're like, well, I thought you wanted this. And they said, well, yeah, well, he talked me out of it. It's like, I cannot believe that. Like, why would you let somebody talk you out of something that you had your heart set on that meant something to you? And it's normally it's because the tattoo artist scares them, threatens them, just makes them feel like they don't know what they're talking about. And what you're wanting is stupid and I don't want to do it. It's like, um, no, this is permanently going on somebody's body. You should be doing exactly what they want to do. We put almost all of our tattoo work on Facebook because that's how everybody sees our stuff. But I've had people come in here and they're like, well, I don't like everything in your portfolio. And I just look at them and I go, I don't like everything in my portfolio either, but it's exactly what my client wanted. So like I had a woman come in and she got this huge forearm piece and it's like stick figures in different colors. Like it was her kid's drawing. It was the cutest thing because her kid drew it and it was of their family. So I'm like, what? Like if somebody saw that, they'd be like, oh my God, somebody messed them up. You know what I mean? But that's exactly what she wanted. And it has meaning to them. Like don't judge somebody's tattoos just because you think it's garbage because that could be exactly what they wanted. You don't know. You don't know. And what a voice we're listening to. And we're listening to Tammy Harris share the story of her going from being a single mom and just doing what she had to do to take care of her baby, work a late shift in a factory, to pursuing her dream. And it wasn't a gig at Kinko's. It was art and ultimately being a tattoo artist, but not an elite, looking down snobbish tattoo artist that says this is the way, but one that uses their artistic talents to, well, take care of the wishes and dreams of the people getting tattooed. When we come back, more of Tammy Harris's beautiful voice here on Our American Stories.
you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. I've been a journalist for two decades, writing cover stories for Business Week, Fortune, and Wired. And now, every Monday, I bring you conversations with people who are thinking deeply about work and where it fits into our lives. Like Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella on growth mindsets. The learn-it-all does better than the know-it-all. Or MacArthur Genius winner Angela Duckworth on talent versus grit. Your long-term effort and your long-term commitment are surprisingly important. Each episode delivers pragmatic advice for right now. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Everyday Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. You can build internal resources. That's what the study of psychology is about, building internal resources. Turning towards is one of the most important elements of successful relationships, no matter what kind of relationship it is. The thing that underpins all of this productivity stuff is finding a way to make the journey itself enjoyable. The journey is the destination. The beauty of uncertainty is infinite possibility. When you don't know what's next, you don't know what's next. And thus, anything can be next. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so... 
there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back with Our American Stories and with Tammy Harris's story. Before the break, Tammy was explaining about how the customer comes first at her tattoo shop, Deviant Designs. Here's Tammy again on what it takes to run an ethical tattoo shop and put people over profit. So we don't like to tattoo younger people where it's harder for them to cover it up. Because young people, they don't think about the future. You know what I mean? So me and my husband almost have to be like mom and dad when they come in. So they'll come in, and I mean, this is like 16, 17, and 18, where their parents bring them in. And you can tell the parents are kind of like, eh. They want to get their first tattoos where everybody can see them. So forearms, hands. I've had people wanting their necks for their first tattoo. I'm like, you're out of your mind. What are you thinking? And the first thing we ask them is, is what do you do for a living? And if they're still in school, I'm like, well, what are you planning on doing when you get out of high school? You have to think about this stuff because this one kid, and this is like when I was first learning, so this is 15, 16 years ago. He came in and his mom was with him. And you would tell his mom wasn't too excited about it. And he was six, no, he might've been 17. So we asked him, you know, what do you want? And he wanted writing across his knuckles, like gang looking. And I was like, wait, what? I asked him, you know, what do you do for a living? Oh, I don't do anything. I'm still in school. And I'm like, okay, well, what are you planning on doing? And he says, well, um, Coast Guard. I want to go into Coast Guard. I said, dude, would you just think for one minute? He's like, what do you mean? I said, any military, police, any of those fields, they don't want you looking like a gang member. Like, think, think for a minute. Like, just, <laughs> it's really not that hard. And, and another thing that kids don't understand is, yes, tattoos are more acceptable, but it depends on who your boss is. So if your boss likes tattoos, you're cool. If your boss does not like tattoos, then you're gonna have to wear long sleeves the whole time you work there, in the summer, when it's hot. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm like, just think for a minute. It's really not that hard to think. <laughs> but that mom that came in with the kid with the knuckles, because what we did, and we do this to a lot of people, if they're not sure, so you know how we do a stencil? The stuff that we use to put the stencils on, it'll stay on for a couple days. So we'll put it on them and say, now, go home, get used to it being there, ask your family, ask your friends, like, what do you think, to see everybody's reaction. And if you still want it in two days, then come back and talk to us. Yeah, his mom called us the next day, like, thank you so much. He doesn't want to get it now. And I was like, yes. <laughs> Now, don't get me wrong, they can go to another tattoo shop and get it right after we talk to them, and that's fine. But I like to sleep at night, so. I had, he was 19. He come in the shop, never met him before, he just came in and he says, um, 
it was around Mother's Day. So he says, I want to get a tattoo for my mom. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. Like, what are you thinking about getting? And he says, I want to do like a cancer ribbon for her. And I'm like, oh, that's sweet. Yes. I said, okay, where are you wanting to get it? And he real big on his neck. So I just kind of looked at him and I smiled. And then I look over at my husband. My husband's already laughing because he knows what I'm going to say. And I said, what do you do for a living? He says, oh, I got a good job. You ain't got to worry about that. You know, I'm good. And I said, well, where do you work? Wendy's. And I just looked over at my husband and my husband is dying. I was like, boy, you really think Wendy's is a good job? Like, no. I said, and he, he said, well, if you don't want to do it, I understand. Like I said, it's, it's not that I don't want to do it. Here's the thing. I'm a mom. I said, and I'm telling you right now, if my daughter came home with this huge tattoo on her neck, I'm gonna beat her And then I'm gonna find out who did it to her and I'm gonna beat their And he started laughing and I just looked at him. I said, tell me I'm wrong. He said, no, you're probably right. I was like, boy, I know I'm right. Like, don't put it on your arm. Like, put it somewhere. Don't, why are you going straight to your neck? He just kind of laughed and like we were just messing with him and he finally left. I said, now, me and my husband were like, he probably went down the street and got it, but mama ain't mad at me. Cause I'm like, I don't want him coming and yelling at me. <laughs> no, 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 no. I don't want no, no mad mama bears coming at me. It ain't happening. Cause I'm one of them. <laughs> But I mean, you have to have that relationship with everybody where they know where you're coming from. You know what I mean? Like it's no shock when I look at them like, don't make me whoop you. Because <laughs> I was so whoop you. <laughs> like I was explaining to somebody the other day, I said, what really doesn't make sense to me is it's your name walking around. Like when we do a tattoo on somebody, if they have a good experience, they're happy, they're happy with the price, they will refer all of their family, all of their friends. So your clientele just quadrupled in one tattoo. So why would you want to piss that person off, rip them off, be rude to them? Because it's like, if you have a good tattoo, a couple people hear about it. If you have a bad tattoo, everybody hears about it. So it's like, I just don't understand the thinking. But I mean, that's good for me and my husband though. All these other tattoo artists keep Keep treating people like crap. You just keep sending them right over here. But the, the one thing that I do, my husband doesn't do, <laughs> that just blew my mind. So I did this probably, I started it like four years ago. So the women that have mastectomies. I had a woman come in and like, it was her and a bunch of friends and they were all getting tattooed. And she was explaining to me that she had a mastectomy. And like, apparently she had to have so many different surgeries to get it right. And then she never got the nipples tattooed on cause that's, that's the way they do it. And I'm like, oh really? She, so she asked me, she was like, do you think you could do that? And I was like, oh, like I've never done it before. And I'm like, oh God, like that's gotta be perfect. Like you have to get the colors right, the shape, the size, like, Oh my goodness. So I told her, I said, you know what? I'll give it a shot. I've never done it before. I said, but I'll do it for free. It's like, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm scared to death. And she just laughed. She's like, oh, I know you'll do it. And you won't have any problems. I'm like, okay. Cause her thing was, she didn't just want it to look like a sticker on her. So when she came in, it was hilarious because my daughter was working the desk at the time. So whenever I do that, 
my husband gets to stay home for the day. So he, I always tell all the girls like, well, my husband thanks you for his day off. He gets to stay home because he feels like that's disrespectful to me. So yeah, the, the lady comes in and she just takes her top off and I'm like, okay, like she's not shy at all. But what I've learned is the women that go through that, it, it's not personal to them anymore. It's not theirs to begin with. So it's completely different. So I, it's so funny because I have circle templates. <laughs> and then I have a laser leveler. <laughs> so I do the laser leveler. That way I know they're perfectly even and I mark where I think they should be and I take the circle template and I draw out the, the circles and then have them look at it and you know, is it the size like, does that look like what they used to look like? Because this girl, she didn't even remember. Like it's been that long. She was like, Tammy, I don't even remember what they used to look like. I'm like, oh crap, like this is not easy. So I drew it all on and then I tell her, I'm like, okay, go show my daughter. Like, does that look natural? And my daughter goes, they're too high. That doesn't look natural. Like you gotta bring them down a little bit. So I'm like, okay, so we wipe them off, do the whole process again, and then it was good. So it's like, okay. So yeah, and then at the most a half an hour to do both. It's seriously the easiest thing. She freaked out. Like she was seriously standing in front of the, the mirror like, this is amazing, oh my God. Like it changed her life. I was like, oh my gosh, like just seeing how it took her from being so insecure, she was herself again. It freaked me out. So then the next girl that I did, it was one of my clients, I think it was her aunt. I think that's how they're related. Has no tattoos at all. So what happened to her was she went through the surgeries and then by the time it came time for her to get the tattoos done, her insurance ran out. And I can't remember how much she said that they wanted, but it was a pretty good penny. So her niece gave her my info because I was telling them like, no, I do that for free. Like tell her to get a hold of me. So she got a hold of me, she came in and we did it and she cried. She was like, no, I, like, I don't feel comfortable. I won't even date. Like she hadn't dated in a couple years because of it. So yeah, I did the tattoos on her. Like that completely changed her life. And the last time I seen her, she's like, girl, I've been going on so many dates. And I was like, that's amazing. And a great job on the production by Robbie. And a special thanks to Tammy Harris for sharing her story with us. All of it. And stories of her customers too. If you put the people first, the profit will follow. I, I can't tell you how many times I've used people precisely because they tell me to go home and that there wasn't a repair that needed to be done. And ethics and profit are not at, at war and they're not at odds. In fact, they complement each other. Tammy Harris's story and a special thanks to the Cincinnati Area Better Business Bureau for providing us with that story. Tammy Harris's story, a beautiful one here on Our American Story. Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. 
And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Everyday Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.